Have you ever had that heart-stopping moment when you realized you forgot the password to a critical account? I have, and that's exactly why I switched to 1Password years ago, and honestly, it's been a game-changer. I can't do without 1Password, and I know that if you give it a try, you will feel the same way. And when you support our sponsors, then you support the show. So I encourage you to check out what 1Password has to offer One of the things 1Password has to offer is it combines top-tier security with an award-winning design, making password management a breeze for anyone, anywhere. From the moment I started using 1Password, I said goodbye to the days of resetting passwords and worrying about security breaches. You see, 1Password isn't just about convenience. It's about saving you from the real cost of data breaches and the daily time suck of password resets. It works seamlessly across all your devices, filling in passwords for you so that you can sign in with a click. And the best part, all you need to do is remember one strong password that protects everything else. I've been using 1Password for as long as I can remember. My family is using it. Everyone in this household has bought in. It's, again, a game changer. It's completely transformed how I handle my digital security and my family feels the same way. We've gotten away from using the same passwords again and again and again, or sticky note reminders or having that notebook that says passwords I must remember. Plus, 1Password is trusted by millions, including giants like IBM and Slack. With 1Password, my digital life and my family's digital life is not only more secure, but infinitely simpler. And look, if you've ever been frustrated by a family member constantly asking for passwords, 1Password's secure sharing has been a total relationship saver for me. It's so secure that the Associated Press relies on it in high-risk areas, which means it's more than capable of keeping your digital life safe and streamlined. So why not make the switch? Protect yourself, your family, and your business with 1Password. It's the simple and secure way to manage your digital life. And right now, listeners of A Productive Conversation get a free two-week trial at onepasswordcom slash ProductiveConvo. That's two free weeks at onepasswordcom slash productive convo. Again, onepasswordcom slash productive convo. Check out one password. I know you'll fall in love with it like my whole family has. Again, that's onepasswordcom slash productive convo for two free weeks. Check it out today. Have you ever considered the impact your work environment has on your health and your productivity? Enter uplift desk a revolutionary standing desk designed to transform the way you work and that's just the beginning of what uplift desk has to offer with an emphasis on ergonomics and customization uplift desk offers a solution that caters to the dynamic needs of modern professionals whether you're coding designing or podcasting like i am right now the flexibility to switch between sitting and standing can significantly enhance your focus and vitality What makes Uplift Desk stand out is not just their commitment to quality and innovation, but also their dedication to creating a healthier workspace. With options to customize from over 100 desktop materials and a plethora of accessories, Uplift Desk ensures that your work setup is uniquely yours, promoting better posture and movement throughout the day. And here's an offer to get you started on a healthier work journey starting today. Go to upliftdesk.com slash timecrafting for 5% off your order. That's up 
liftdesk.com slash timecrafting to get 5% off your entire order. Your health, your productivity, your future self will thank you. Again, that's upliftdesk.com slash timecrafting and get 5% off your entire order today. Hi, I'm Katie Stoddart, and I'm about to have a productive conversation with Mike Vardy. Welcome to A Productive Conversation with Mike Vardy. I am joined by Katie Stoddart today, and she is the person behind The Focus Bee. She has a podcast, she has a blog, she's working on a book as of the time that we had this conversation. And we talk about a, a wide variety of things during this conversation, primarily around focus. We talk about precision, resilience, um, this idea of equanimity, uh, many different things. It was It's always really cool to talk to someone who has a passion for productivity, and especially an element of productivity, and that's focus. And that's what we're going to focus on during this conversation. So here it is, my conversation with Katie Stoddard. Enjoy. Katie, thanks for joining me on the program today. So the T is silent, is it? <laughs> yeah, Katie Stoddart. Yeah, you can say it or you can skip it. It works both ways. Well, it's great to have you on the show. Um, first off, uh, the, the focus B. Uh, it, it's anyone who's listened to my, you know, my podcast for a while or follows my work knows that I have a bit of an obsession with hexagons. Actually, uh, I, I, I've got a hexagon timer here. I've got, uh, you know, a bunch of hexagon shaped things. And when I think of a bee, I immediately think of the honeycomb and the hexagon. What, where, where is the term, the focus bee come from? Like what, what was the impetus behind you, uh, going down that path with, with, with the naming of, of, of your business and of what you do? I was really passionate about high performance and productivity in general, and I specifically loved focus. I believe, and we'll talk more about this, no doubt, that focus is sort of your superpower and it enables so many things in your life when you're able to focus. So I was reflecting a lot on this, and at the same time, I have a reluctance to this concept of being busy, this idea that we're busy in the busy world and busy bees. And so the idea of the focus bee came in contrast with being a busy bee. So I wanted to invite everyone to, instead of re working and living as busy bees, to instead be a focused bee. Well, and I think it's a bit of an interesting scenario that bees are very focused in a lot of ways. They each have their own roles, right? Like the worker bees do their thing. And I mean, everyone has their, their roles. Um, I, yeah, I'm not a fan of the word busy either. I mean, we, we, uh, th there's that term where it's like, I'm busy, I'm busy, I'm busy. Look, we're all busy. Um, you know, <laughs> yes, it, it, that, that's basically what it boils down to. Um, I want to, let's get into this idea of focus. Um, you, now you, you had an interesting job before this, right? Before you dove into this. And I use the term dove with complete lack of understanding that that was a pun as soon as I started like it. <laughs> so can you, let's, let's, let's talk a little bit about that because I found that fascinating when I was doing research for our conversation is where you got started, like what you were doing before and then the shift to what you're doing now, it doesn't there. What's the connect there? Share the story. And then what's the connection? I first started as a hydrographic engineer, so I was mapping the seafloor, going off on vessels for one month at a time, spending a month at sea. That's where I met my husband, who would do maps of the seafloor. And it was fun, and it was an adventure, and I got to travel and see northern lights and all this amazing stuff. But I wasn't that much into engineering per se or data processing. 
And it was actually when I discovered Maya Briggs and I was going through the personality types. I'm an ENFP, ENFJ, so on the line, that I realized that there was a reason that I wasn't super fulfilled as a data processor, as an ENFJ, ENFP. And instead, I started to look at other options such as more psychology oriented or coaching. And yeah, and I discovered coaching and fell in love with it and changed. So even though there isn't a direct connection in many ways between being an engineer and being a leadership high performance coach, I do feel that my engineering background has helped me a lot in terms of so many business analytical skills, marketing and Even in the way I coach, sometimes I feel I have a very scientific approach. So I've managed to make the best of both worlds. Um, one of the things that you wrote about uh, on your blog is you talked about equ equanimity. And I, can, oh, I always mess that up. Equanimity. Yeah, equanimity. Um, equanimity. Uh, the, the idea of being calm in, in all circumstances. And again, this relates back to focus, right? And obviously, um, when you are trying to do, you know, powerful, impactful things. It, and when you're trying to avoid being busy, let's face it, um, you, you, the, that is the antithesis of calm. So can, I want to talk about this because we don't talk about equanimity very much on the show. Um, first off, what is it for those that aren't quite sure? Um, and also how do you tap into it when you need it the most? Hmm, I, I love this topic. It's uh, it's really nice to, to have a different approach, not just talk about how to manage distractions, although we could do that too. But I know you've covered it on the show already. Yes, equanimity. I think the way you described it, remaining calm in all circumstances, I like to see it as sort of river flowing through down a stream. And even if there are rocks or obstacles, the water continues to flow and doesn't get blocked. I recently discovered or rediscovered the term Wu Wei, Now, I haven't looked to check if that's the exact same thing, but it feels very similar. And the idea is to really just go with where life is sort of taking us. And this is hard to explain because I think people could misinterpret this or get confused and maybe think that this means not being proactive or just going with circumstances. So it's hard to really put into words. So to come back to your question of how can we apply equanimity in our life, I think it comes down to, well, the stoic dichotomy of control and knowing what's out of your control, but then also managing your emotions in those moments. So having the emotional intelligence to deal with the tough emotions that arise or the resistance. I think it's a lot around accepting and letting go, especially when it's out of your control or it's something, yeah, that's sort of off somehow. So it, yes. I feel, I feel it really is linked to how we deal with resistance and how we can accept and let go again of things that are out of our control, for example. So a lot of people really get into this idea of using apps. We, we, I actually talked to a friend of mine about this just before we hopped on our, our, our call today. And the idea of, um, I want to know what app you use. I want to know all this stuff. And, and anyone who's listened to the show for a while knows that sometimes I'll ask what apps, but I don't, I don't want to go down that path. I, I want to talk about the, the softer skills, the skills that are, you know, that are not, that are more approach-based than application-based. So you, you've talked about resilience on your podcast before. You've talked about, also in your work, uh, resilience and focus are, it's, it, it's interesting to me because focus can be fleeting 
because it's hard to maintain it on a consistent basis, right? Especially with, because it's related to energy. So is resilience. Uh, what, when you're thinking about the idea of being resilient, especially in the face of a to-do list that might be overwhelming, or as you mentioned earlier, uh, the, 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 the ability to be distracted by others uh, at a higher level than maybe we've ever experienced before, either by others like that are directly in contact with each other or, you know, the news or our phones or, or whatever. Um, how does, how do you think focus and resilience work hand in hand to help you kind of get the things that you need and want to get done, done in a way that works for you? Hmm. Yeah, great question. There's definitely a link between focus and resilience. I think it comes down to what we choose to focus on, and that gives us the resilience. So in the book that I'm writing, it's not yet published. I'm in between publishers and a lot of things. But I talk about this term selective focus. And the idea is what we choose to focus on at any given moment, and what meaning we give to what we focus on. And this definitely builds resilience. For instance, if in a situation we're thinking about and focusing, therefore, on a certain obstacle, maybe a rejection of a client, for instance, then if we choose to change the way we interpret this point of focus and redefine this and yeah, cognitive reframing and rethinking about it, and managing again our emotions in that moment, this helps to build resilience. So it's what we focus on and then how we choose to deal with both emotionally and in our thought patterns. So it's a combination of these thought patterns and emotions that build the resilience. Okay, so this is this this leads me to the question about managing focus. Because those again, it, it uh, I, I I mean, obviously, focus is a huge part of attention, which is, I mean, I tend to talk about with productivity. Productivity is about intention and attention. But managing focus, to me, I, I guess, is there a, when I hear the term time management or managing time, it drives me nuts because time moves on whether we want it to or not, right? Focus can be fleeting, right? It can be, but as, as you've we've just talked about, like when you choose what to focus on, it can be galvanized by the amount of like, your, your intent behind it, the intensity behind it, all that stuff. When you hear the, the phrase, I need to manage my focus, what's, what comes to mind? Ever found yourself deep in a project, your flow state so intense that the world around you just fades away? That's the magic zone where ideas take flight and your work truly comes to life. But what if, in a blink, it could all disappear? Hard drives fail, coffee spills, and yes, even the dreaded accidental delete happens. But fear not, because CrashPlan has your back. Don't wait for disaster to strike. Head over to CrashPlan.com timecrafting now for a free trial and secure your creations with their limited time buy one, get one offers. Supporting our sponsors means supporting this podcast, so take a moment to check them out. CrashPlan is the superhero of cloud-based data protection, specifically designed for people like us who live and breathe their digital creations. CrashPlan ensures that every file, every idea, and every piece of hard work is safely backed up and protected. With CrashPlan Professional, you get unlimited backup for your computers, 
not servers or cloud apps, just pure essential data protection for PC, Mac, and Linux. This means your business plans, designs, music, and documents are continuously encrypted and updated in their secure cloud without you lifting a finger. Imagine this, your laptop takes a dive during a late night work session. With CrashPlan, it's not a disaster, it's just a minor hiccup. Their service runs quietly in the background, safeguarding every change you make every 15 minutes. And if the worst happens, your files are just a few clicks away from being restored with unlimited version retention acting as your personal time machine. For businesses, CrashPlan's multi-tenant capabilities are a game changer. Buy as many licenses as you need, manage them with ease, and let your team or your IT admin restore data seamlessly, saving precious time and resources. So go to CrashPlan.com timecrafting now to sign up for a free trial and take advantage of one of their limited buy one, get one offers for a productive conversation listeners. That's CrashPlan.com timecrafting. Back up better with CrashPlan. Ever caught yourself marveling at the seamless magic of everyday tech, like how noise-canceling headphones block out the world or the sheer bliss of meeting-free Fridays? Now imagine if there was a way to bring that kind of magic into selling online. Well, guess what? There is, and it's called Shopify. From the moment you decide to launch your online shop to opening your first physical store, and even when you're pinching yourself because, yes, you just hit a million orders, Shopify is there to guide your growth. Whether you're selling shipping supplies or the latest productivity tools, Shopify supports you everywhere with their all-in-one e-commerce platform and in-person POS system. The checkout? Oh, it's a breeze for your customers, converting up to 36% better than other platforms. And with Shopify Magic, your AI-powered assistant, you're selling more with way less effort. And you won't be alone in your Shopify journey because Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S., supporting giants like Allbirds and Brooklinen and millions of entrepreneurs across 175 countries. Their award-winning support is always there, making sure businesses that grow, Grow with Shopify, and yours can be one of those businesses. And for those looking to level up, Shopify's endless integrations and third-party apps from on-demand printing to chatbots ensure your business is always ahead of the curve. So what are you waiting for? Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com timecrafting, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com timecrafting now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. That's shopify.com slash timecrafting. Have you ever looked into fasting and thought, I love the benefits, but I can't go days without eating? Well, that's where Prolon comes in, transforming the fasting experience with a plant-based nutrition program that tricks your cells into thinking they're fasting without actually having to stop eating. Developed through decades of research at the University of Southern California Longevity Institute, Prolon is not just another diet, it's a scientifically backed program designed to support your body's natural processes. Now keep in mind, this isn't about cutting out food, it's about providing your body with the right nutrients to enter a fasting state while still eating. The program includes snacks, soups, and beverages, all carefully designed to support healthy blood sugar levels, cardiovascular health, and even reduce abdominal fat. And the convenience? That's unmatched. Everything you need comes in one box delivered right to your doorstep. 
Thousands of doctors now recommend Prolon for its health benefits, backed by Nobel Prize winning science. So if you're looking for a way to kickstart your health journey with all the benefits of fasting and none of the hunger, Prolon is the answer. And right now, Prolon is offering a Productive Conversation listeners 10% off their five-day nutrition program. Go to prolonlife.com slash timecrafting. That's P-R-O-L-O-N Life dot com slash timecrafting for this special offer. Again, that's prolonlife.com slash timecrafting. Check it out today. I straight away think of indistractable and near AL and traction and distraction. So the first thing I think of, I just, I see the graph in my head, I think traction, distraction. So when people say they want to manage their focus, I, I hear I want more traction and less distraction. Yeah. And it's funny because that's the thing. And when I was talking to Nir about this on, on a past episode, which we'll, we'll put in the show notes for sure. Um, the thing that, that I think a lot of people got surprised by myself, included only because I don't think I thought about it that way is that the opposite of distraction is traction. Okay. So with that in mind, if what is the opposite of focus then? Because it may not be what we think it is, right? Like if we don't, if we think the opposite of distraction is, um, focus, right? Like, cause that's what a lot of people think or it's what, you know, is alluded to what's the, is the opposite of focus distraction or is it something completely, is it, it's something that we're not really putting our finger on. Like you're, you're, you're spending a lot of time pun intended focusing on this. So what, what in your mind, is there more than one or is it like, if there's one more, you're like, well, this is the, uh, this is the direct opposite of, of just of focus. What would it be? I think of scattered and I think of the lens of the camera when it's focused and it's clear and then unfocused and it's not clear. So I think of scattered, but in terms of lack of clarity, I feel when we're focused, there's a, there's an intention like you spoke about, and there's a general clarity about the direction we're going in and what we want to focus on because it's focus is a decision, whether it's a conscious or subconscious, it's a decision. And to have that decision and for it to be optimized, as in to be aligned with what matters most to you, there needs to be a clear intention. And for a clear intention to happen, there needs to be clarity. Therefore, clarity first. That's why you need that mental space, that reflection, the journaling, being coached and all of that. And then from that clarity, setting the intention, goals, priorities, etc. And from that, you have your short-term daily focus. Therefore, I feel that the opposite of focus, if we look at the root, it's clarity. So the opposite of being focused is being scattered where there is no clarity. Or if we want to use another term to scattered, maybe blurry in some way or unclear. Or hazy. Now, when I say say hazy, now I'm like, it's too early for a hazy IPA. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Um... All right, let's let's dig into um speaking of clarity. Um the when you were doing your your, your work beforehand, you were mapping the the floor of the ocean. Um precision mattered, right? Like it really did. Um I've been thinking a lot about prioritization. Um I built a mini course around it. Uh, you know, it's something we talk about inside of my membership, Time Crafting Trust. And it's it's in it's it's coming it's in a, in more of my work now than it has been in the past. Um and I believe the problem with prioritization is that people try to, and, and I know Greg McEwen talks about this in Essentialism. Merlin Mann's talked about this before as well, but you know, if you have more than one priority, then 
again, you're scattered. It's hazy. It's blurry. Uh, and I think that I'd love to hear your thoughts on this, but I think that, that when it comes to prioritization, it's not about prioritization. It's about precision. It's about precision of let's say focus, right? As opposed to, because you can only really have one priority at a time. You can have many different quote priorities, but like anything else, if you try to deal with them all at once, the quality will suffer, right? So in your, do you feel that the work that you were doing beforehand comes back to you when you start to think about things like focus and precision and, 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 um, you know, clarity, uh, I'd like to hear some, some, some of the, the kind of, uh, commonalities or the things that you maybe have drawn lines in comparison to with your former work, but also the thought about precision when it comes to focus and how, how does one foster that? Yes, I think precision is essential. I hadn't really, to be honest, made the link with my past career, but I can add it in. I can say that, yes, it was indeed uh, essential to have very precise measurements of the seafloor, and this ties to focus. I feel it was more the analytical way of thinking and scientific thinking that contributed in this case to my field. Uh, to come back to what you were saying, how can we sort of cultivate precision and how is it linked to focus? I feel it is extremely linked, as I was saying, because clarity matters so much. Mm -hmm. And it's that famous thing of people procrastinate things that they don't, they aren't really specific about. I know that in my case, that two times uh, I procrastinate most, uh, either if it's really boring, but I've managed to overcome that. So I'm not that bad with that anymore. So the only times I ever procrastinate are if it's not clear. And this is exactly what you're saying, if it's not precise enough. And if you just pause for one moment, take a pen and paper and think, what am I really working on? What is it I want to achieve? How am I going to, how am I going to measure this? Then you get your focus. Then you get that one item that you can time block and you can work on. So there is a direct link. And again, it comes back also to intention. Once you have that clear, precise intention. And I feel this is a big reason why people struggle with focus. Yes, there's a whole traction, distraction for sure, but there's also the whole focus and hazy because when you're not precise in what is it you want to do, towards which goal is it contributing, how are you going to measure it, and all of these questions, how is it going to make you feel, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, then how can you put your energy and your time and your mental effort and will in that one activity or direction? You mentioned time blocking. So you, you time block, I take yes. it. Yes. Does yes. it work? Okay. So I'm going to ask it, it. It does work. I know time blocking works. And I obviously talk about theming your time and things like that. People who've listened to my podcast for a while know that or know my work know that. But I'm going to, I'm going to ask a different question. So I'm going to ask like when, when does time blocking become a challenge or a struggle for you? Does it? Um, well, I'm flexible with my time blocking. So, for example, when I'm doing, well, when they're calls, they're calls, so they're blocked. And when they're tasks, if sometimes it feels off energetically, I'll move it. But what I'm really clear on is what I want to achieve during the week. So I'm very flexible and I know how long tasks take. So let's say I've planned to write a blog article and I've planned it on a Tuesday morning, but then I suddenly feel inspired to work more on my book. I tend to not change my time blocking that much, but when I do, I just sort of shift things around. And this allows me to have that extra sort of margin of creativity and not feel things are too blocked. Shipping can make or break a sale, so optimize how you ship your orders with ShipStation. 
They make it easy to automate and manage orders no matter how big your business grows. And they might even be able to help reduce shipping and warehouse costs. So optimize and keep up your momentum for growth with ShipStation. Sign up for your free 60-day trial now at ShipStation.com and use the code P-O-D. That's ShipStation.com with the code P-O-D. But as long as I'm super clear on my main outcomes for the week and I get it done within the week, I allow myself that space. So I don't feel it really does... Uh, yeah, you, I don't you've, feel... You, you, you found a sweet spot. See, that's an interesting... <laughs> the way you brought up about the week, that to me makes it an interesting sweet spot because I think a lot of people that, that I know struggle with time blocking. And again, it comes back to biases too. There's no question of like, you know, there's no way... It can, I don't have an agency over my time. You know, we both experienced that in the work that we do. But when you broaden it a bit, like you just said, like over the course of the week, I want this... I block... These are my objectives... I think that makes time blocking more accessible to more people, right? Whereas I think a lot of people get caught up. And again, I'm being generalized. I'm generalizing here. But I think a lot of people get uh, people get caught up in that I need to time block my day. But that's not that's not the core. I mean, time blocking is a universal strategy that you can apply to days, weeks, months even, right? Yes, well, that's how I use time blocking. When I do a review of the week, I plan my next week. And while I'm planning my next week, I time block everything. And if I'm planning a month or two months for different activities, I have activities that I sort of plan regularly on a week-to-week basis. I have activities that I plan for every day, uh, like my morning routine. It's set every day. And I have activities that I plan on a monthly basis, and I just put them all in and <laughs> hope it mm-hmm. fits. <laughs> <laughs> it's, like, it's like Tetris, right? I, saw, I recently saw like an image on, on social media where it's like the task I want to do, and it was like the only – like it was the one-shaped brick thing. And then the the next image was like the end of the day. And that brick is like, it's not even in the thing. Um, (laughs) I I was going to ask you about um, a lot of people. I, I have gotten back into meditation again. I've had a on and off relationship with meditation, not because I don't believe it to be good. It's because it's one of those things that I kind of let slide. Uh, Journaling has been one that I have not let slide and it's been, uh, a constant and it has helped. It has helped me decompress. It has helped me course correct when I need to. It has helped me kind of um, wrap up my day because I use it for the end of the day stuff. So I want to talk about, and I want to get your thoughts on the, because you mentioned journaling a little bit earlier. What benefits do both journaling and meditation have on focus? And because I, I have heard, you know, on both sides of the equation, both meditation and journaling, a hesitancy for people to adopt to it because <laughs> they don't get instant, they don't get that hit of dopamine. They don't get that instant gratification because it's like the difference, like you said, between writing a book and writing a blog post. The blog, or even to go further, the social media update. It's way easier to put something on Facebook or tweet something than it is to write a blog post and you get that dopamine hit. Um, easier is maybe not the simpler. Um, and then, uh, to, conversely to work on a book, you're not going to get that instant gratification either because it's got to sit there. So you're not going to get that dopamine. And I think that the journaling and meditation play the same role, but I'd love to hear your thoughts on how they can help foster focus, even when you don't think it is working or when you don't see it right away. Yes, absolutely. I'm a big fan of both. 
Uh, meditation, for sure, it's uh, the super tool to strengthen uh, attention. I mean, there are others, of course, but meditation is very powerful. I, and I feel it it just helps during the day when you have a meditation practice to raise that awareness when you're about to get distracted. You bring your thought backs and your ideas back to your current task because this is what you're practicing in meditation. So I start all of my days with 20 minutes meditation. It took me a while to build the habit of really doing it every, every, every single day. Uh, it took me three years, I think. Uh, I like to say that because I feel that people that are getting discouraged because they've fallen off the wagon, I want them to know that most people fall off the wagon before they stay on for longer. <laughs> and, 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 and you don't have to make it like 20 minutes. Like that's the other thing. No, it's, it's like, no, it's, true. it's not, <laughs> it's not like, you know, you're, you're trying to cram in 20 minutes. Like I meditated for seven minutes this morning. Like that was what I did. And by the way, the last time I meditated, it was five minutes and they both felt exactly the same. Like they didn't, one didn't feel longer than the other. So, I mean, there's that old story and I'm sure you've heard it before, but the idea where the businessman goes to the Buddha or to the guru and says, um, oh, you're a guru. Like I need to meditate. Like how, how long should I meditate every day? He goes, well, at least for five minutes a day. Well, no, I don't have time to do five minutes a day. Okay. Well then 20. <laughs> right. Like it's that, it's that thing, like where if you're really scattered or hazy um, or discombobulated, you need to do it more. Right. And it doesn't also, it does not have to be done to, in my mind uh, at, in one sitting. I actually use meditation a couple ways. Number one, like you said, to kind of get myself centered again, but I also use them as transition points, like to start my day. And then I have another one when I'm uh, you know, getting ready to transition into a deep writing. And then when I'm done my work day and I'm transitioning into like, it's time to do family stuff. That's when I do another one. So it, they act, it can act in so many different ways. I mean, I assume you use it for a variety of reasons, but I mean, most people, meditation is not just a, this is one thing that it does and that's it. It has many, many different ways you can do it and, and different benefits. Absolutely. And I love what you said about transition because it can really help to sort of change from one setting to the next. And also relating to focus, I feel that one of the huge benefits of meditation and definitely in my life has been around managing my emotions. And this is directly linked to being focused, to not procrastinate certain activities, to stay with it when we want to be distracted. And managing those emotions has been really, really powerful for me. And coming to journaling, I think it helps in my case, anyway, because I feel different tools help people in different ways uh, to get that clarity. Sure, you can get it from meditation too, but I feel that just writing everything out can help to highlight maybe something that you really want to work on and that you've been neglecting, whether it's in your private life or your professional life, or to gain that precision, as we were talking about, of what we what our intention actually is and in which direction we want to put our energy and our effort so yes, I think they're very powerful. They act in different ways and people are reluctant to some of them because they're a habit to build and because they don't see the immediate results. But I feel that it doesn't take that long to start to see the results of journaling. I was doing the morning pages for a while as Julia Cameron talks about in The Artist's Way and I really started to notice, uh, it, they helped me a lot while I was writing uh, the book, now I'm in the editing phase, but while I was writing it, really, writing, it really helped me to get back on board with it and to release creativity also, which is a totally different topic, <laughs> creativity would be for another day, but uh, yeah, they're excellent tools uh, for so many different things. As we get close to wrapping up, uh, 
you know, as someone who spends time on focus and is working on, you know, spends a lot of time, I mean, your business has, it's like me talking about productivity. It's right in the name. Um, What's one rather maybe unconventional or surprising thing or way that you've discovered that you can foster focus, maybe something people haven't really thought about, or that is rather, you know, like, uh, it, it gives you a bit of a quizzical, you know, look like, really, that'll work. And you found that it's been beneficial that we haven't already talked about. Playing, I'd say, because when we start to play, and I mean anything by play, play a game of cards or playing uh, with the Rubik's Cube or playing uh, in any way, shape or form, it's something we don't allow ourselves enough to do as adults. And the reason that this helps our focus is because we're totally disconnecting from what we want to focus on. It gives our brain the time to process information, to think about it. And when we come back, we're both more energized and more clear-minded. And so actually, if you play, literally playing table tennis, playing uh, any form of play, I think can really help with focus. Katie, this has been a great conversation. I want to thank you for taking the time to join me today. Where can people keep up with you and focus in on your work? Thank you for asking. Well, I have my podcast, The Focus Bee Show, where you're also going to be interviewed, Mike, and uh, my Focus Bee website, thefocusbee.com. And then I'm on LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter under The Focus Bee or Katie Stoddard. So really, people, (laughs) it's not very hard to get in touch with me. (laughs) Thanks for having a productive conversation with me today, Katie. Thank you so much, Mike. And there you have it. Big thanks to Katie for joining me on the program today. You can learn more about what she has to offer at thefocusbee.com. We had a great conversation. I actually have appeared on her podcast as well, which is fantastic. I love it when we can have simpatico kind of conversations. And of course, if you want to kind of check out all the things that we talked about, relevant links, all that sort of stuff, just go to productivityist.com slash podcast 439 and you can make that happen. That's it for this episode of A Productive Conversation. Another one is in the books. Thanks so much for taking the time to listen to this program today. And don't forget that we've got a lot more episodes to come. So hit the subscribe button wherever you're listening to this. That way you don't miss a single episode. We've got episodes planned throughout the rest of the year, and I can't wait to bring them to you. Plus, if you subscribe, it's way easier to go back into the archives and find what you're looking for. Conversations that I've had with people like David Allen, uh, Chris Bailey, Cal Newport, Gretchen Rubin, and so many more. Again, thanks so much for taking the time to listen today. Really appreciate it. Until next time, I'm Mike Vardy, the host of A Productive Conversation, reminding you to stop doing productive and start being productive. See you later.